All right, let's uh, welcome into the program from the uh, podcast Locked on Big 12. Here's uh, Josh Neighbors. Josh, good morning. How are you, buddy? I well, guys. Anything to talk about in Big 12 country? Uh, yeah, really, exactly. Uh, where did this come from and, and, and why? Yeah, so I think the timing in a general sense, it, I, I agree with it. Like, I think like, I, we'll get into all the reasons why. It's a good time maybe transition 70-year-old Bob Bowlesby out. But the day after one of your teams wins the national championship, that makes literally no sense to me. Like, you, like, the only reason that you could justify it to me is, oh, we're worried that maybe somebody else has the story and we don't want it to break. We want to be able to control the narrative with this. But even then, like, how bad is that if somebody else were to break the story about Bob Bowlesby leaving? You know, it, it honestly would be a better look for you if somebody else broke the news, you know, and, and say, oh, you know, it got out, as opposed to you doing it yourself, kind of taking the shine a little bit. It definitely does take the shine off of the national championship and the conversation around Kansas and the conversation around the Big 12 winning back-to-back titles in basketball, I think there's no doubt that there is a little bit of a thunder stealing, if you will, Big 12 stealing their own thunder in this situation. Josh, with the transition that's coming for the Big 12, how imperative that they must absolutely get it right with the next hire? Got to nail it. Um, I, I, here's the reason why this is the right time. So the transition is happening for the number of teams in the conference, right? We think there's going to be, at this point, it looks like there's going to be at least a year where it's a 14-team league, and then it's going to go to a 12-team league. So you're going to go 10 to 14 to 12. Uh, that's how it's going to how it's going to look most likely. Um, also, college football playoff expansion was discussed, but it got tabled. It's been tabled for right now. And uh, we know that Bob Bowlesby was a leader. He and Greg Sankey were kind of the two leaders in the new plan. Also, you've got the grant of rights for the Big 12, their television contract, coming up in 24, after the 2024-2025 season. So it is the right time to get somebody new in there to make sure somebody is, A, there for the transition, B, there to help with the new college football playoff uh, stuff, and then C, uh, you want somebody there for the new television contract. So the, the timing in that sense does, it does, uh, you know, it's pretty logical to me. Once again, during the Monday after national championship, not logical, but that does make sense, though. So, they know they have to nail it, and I think it's the right time considering all of those factors and also Bob Bowlesby's age as well. And you're talking about timing. How about timing for Baylor the day before giving Mac Rhodes an extension because that dude had to be a legitimate candidate to replace him, right? I'm not sure he's still not. I, I think yeah. that's going to be kicked around. If you were to ask me which two ADs I would look at from the Big 12 Conference, and look, I don't know if they go this direction, I would say it's Mac Rhodes, and then also I would go with Jamie Pollard at Iowa State. I think those two are the ones. And look, I mean, making good coaching decisions and hiring the right guys does not necessarily equate to signing a good television contract with Hulu, right? It's not really two things that are the same. But also we do usually look for leadership in that department. So, yeah, it's a great point. Um, you know, I think Mac ends up staying at Baylor. Uh, I think that's, that's true. We've seen a lot of – kind of, uh, you know, off-the-beaten-path hires as of late when it comes to conference commissioners. But I, w- I would say that the two main ones 
Uh, yeah, from the Big 12 would be Jimmy Pollard and, and Mac Rhodes. Talking with Josh Neighbors from the uh, podcast Locked on Big 12. And Josh, continuing the, the, the conversation about the, the Big 12 commissioner. And you mentioned several of the things that are that are taking place in, in, in you know, the timing of this thing. Now that it's it's there and we've kind of we've kind of taken it in and, 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 and understand what's going on, it, it, it's new blood, fresh blood, and some new ideas. Is is that a bad thing right now? No, it's not. I think that's especially important when it comes to the television side of this. We've seen the revenues that the Big Ten and the SEC are slotted to make and. I forget who tracks this, but I've seen this a bunch. Uh, you know, the folks in the athletic have tweeted out a lot. Just tracking the future revenues that you're going to see from these conferences, the SEC, the Big Ten, in, in terms of their TV deals when you compare it to the Big 12, the Pac-12, and then the ACC. It's going to be a huge gap. I think the one thing the Big 12 can do to try at least dig into that gap and make it a little bit smaller is go into the nonlinear TV space. We have heard a lot about how Hulu and Netflix and now Apple TV Plus, uh, they all want, and Amazon, all want to get into the live sports space. There is a reason why. There's like six shows out there right now that are on like linear cable that don't lose viewership. It's like, you know, Survivor and, and Big Brother and stuff like that. And then live sports are the other things that really just never diminish. And so I think that those new, uh, those, those you know, newer medias, if you will, are going to try to break into this space. And some of them might overpay for a part of the package. So some of them might overpay for some Big 12 football. Some of them might overpay for some Big 12 basketball because it is the premier basketball conference in the country. Maybe they'll overpay for some baseball too, part of the package. So I think somebody who is going to make sure they do their due diligence and ensure that every single media entity that wants to have a chance to get into live sports knows about the Big 12, has a chance to bid on the Big 12, and potentially raises the price of the grant of rights to the Big 12, gets involved. And that, that might take somebody who's younger and outside of the box. That's why we saw George Klyavkov get hired. The, the, the Pac-12 network was such a disaster and Larry Scott, things didn't go very well. So they went and got an entertainment guy in George Klyavkov, and they're hoping that that's what pays off the next time around in their television contract negotiations for the Pac-12. I think the Big 12, they need to make this next hire with that in mind. That's the number one thing for the Big 12 is their new television contract coming up after the 2024-2025 season. Josh, you just mentioned Big 12 basketball. In the, in, in the conversation of with that next television deal, with the new Big 12, the teams that they're adding, do you think that there's a possibility that basketball carries this league more than football because of the new alignment and the new teams that are coming in? Well, it, you know, the, it, football is always going to be king. You guys know this. Football is what everybody always loves to talk about. It's kind of the, the big thing on everybody's mind. But we, you know, lest, lest we forget, folks, the NCAA tournament is still a billion-dollar industry, and a billion with a B, it is a billion-dollar industry. And so as long as the Big 12 is putting teams – and look, you know, you get Baylor, you, you've got Kansas, you've got Texas Tech. Uh, you know, we, 
Texas and OU are good programs. We're losing those. Houston, though, was in the Final Four last year, right? And a really good team again this year and played in the Elite Eight against Villanova. Uh, you're adding Cincinnati and West Miller, adding BYU and, and UCF. Those teams have some work to do. But, you know, you're going to be adding another premier program at least with Houston. So, yeah, I mean, I think at this point in time, it's, it's hard to say that the Big 12 basketball product is one that, that I mean, you know, it's, it's something that's, it's on, it's on often. You're always getting good games. I mean, you look at the Big 12 weekly schedule every single week. You're always getting great matchups, top 25 matchups, great environments. It's a great television product. Is it worth as much as, you know, Texas Baylor is in football sometimes? No, it, it's not. But it's constant, it's often, it's high quality. So I think it's, a, it's one of the best bargaining chips they have, no doubt. That in terms of like a solid known quantity product, we got to be able to guarantee what the football conference looks like. We, we probably can't do that. But for basketball, we can promise you that you know there's a good chance you're going to have a final. If, if you got uh, if you got the Big 12 on your airwaves, you're probably going to have a Final Four team on your airwaves. Uh, you know as much as you want them to be. So it's it's one of the best bargaining chips I'd say they have. Let's talk national championship. Kansas looked like a completely different team coming out of halftime. In particular, Obaji. I mean, he was really non-existent in the first half, and you're able to get him going and you're able to attack the paint in the second half for the Jayhawks. What was the biggest difference, in your opinion, uh, in getting Obaji kind of rolling in that second half? Well, I think Leaky Black picked up foul three or four there, and once he did, they attacked. He attacked. He he really made an effort to attack the rim. And, and look, he got the one three. It was the opening three of the game uh, for Kansas. And, and I thought they attacked – some in the end of the first half, but the problem was they would attack it, and they weren't working enough shot clock. They were so rushed to get up the first shot, and Carolina did a great job of getting a hand in their face. In the second half, they were much more composed. They were getting stops, and they were turning that into offense, attacking the other way. They got everybody going downhill towards the rim, making something happen, and that was a huge key for them. I mean, and Bill Self, you know, I thought he did not coach very well in the first half. I thought they did a bad job making adjustments. The second half, he, he talked about it. He said, look, we were down nine with two minutes left against Memphis. Uh, what sounds harder, 15 points in 20 minutes or nine in two minutes? And they're all like, oh, nine in two minutes. And then by that 10-minute mark of the second half, guys, they were up by six. They'd split a 21-point swing that fast. So Oshai was a huge part of that, his recognition of knowing this is my moment to attack. We've got them vulnerable. I think it's what makes him such a great player, and it's a reason why I think we're going to see him be a lottery pick in the NBA draft. I'm going to take you back to the conference thing for, for just a minute. We had a conversation this morning, in fact, uh, uh, about the league and the 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 national uh, perception of the league once Texas and Oklahoma depart. Hey, look, we all know right now Texas is not going very well except for in, in baseball, but it's still a brand. Oklahoma's a brand. Is, is the BYU brand going to be strong enough to, to, to help out in that area? And then who, who, who's going to pick up the torch in the league to be those brands? I think the brands you're bringing in Houston and BYU are the strongest two brands you have. Here's why BYU um, has a really large, you know, a group of fans baked into it just to do the, their religious ties. And that, that is part of it. You know, it's not mean to demean it at all. We've got some other religious schools in this conference. But, um, you know, my grandfather was a Catholic and was a fan of Notre Dame because he was Catholic. There is a certain element of that with BYU fans, and it's positive. It's, it's good. That's what we want. 
in this conference. Houston is the fourth, I would what, fourth largest media market in the entire country. Uh, that's a strong brand. They've always wanted to be able to play on the stage with the big boys in the state. So I think there's a you know, good chance that Houston's gunning for that number one spot in Texas in terms of the Big 12 teams once they get there. UCF has a I mean, massive alumni base because of how large their enrollment is, and it's always growing, so that's positive too. Yeah, I mean, I think people have knocked the – you know, the recruiting outside of OU in Texas, no, it's not as good as a lot of the other pack, the power conferences. When it comes to football, I'm, I'm speaking purely about football. Um, but the performances are just as good. Like, if you compare the, the Big 12 to the Pac-12, I mean, you know, I know Lincoln Riley's there now. I know Phil Knight and Oregon. It's a, those are two big brands, and they're going to come along. But, I mean, the Oklahoma State of the world, the Baylors of the world, they've, they've been outperforming a lot of those top teams, quote-unquote, in the Pac-12 now, uh, you know, and especially Oklahoma State's been doing it for a long time. So I think that the product in the field is really good, but you're right. It's going to be about those brands, and I'm interested to see how those brands continue to grow now that they're going to be in what should be a power conference. Make no, make no bones about it, guys. The new Big 12 is still a power conference, especially in football, and we know 110%. It might be the conference still when it comes to basketball. When you look at spring training and football in swing right now, who has who has the most ground? Excuse me, to gain in the Big Twelve, who has the biggest task in front of them? The the I think the easy one we always say is Kansas, just because it's their first full spring, right? We mentioned this last week some, so I want to see what that team looks like, just full organization wise, uh, when they come back. And, and, and what it looks like, I am really curious about the team in y'all's neck of the woods with Baylor. I, the, the quarterback battle is so fascinating to me because I think it's going to dictate so much of what this team's able to accomplish and if they can build off what happened last year. Because with no Abram Smith, sure, you're going to be able to put another back back there and it's going to work out fine. But I think there is a consensus that a quarterback for Baylor can take the next step. We're having a different conversation about what that offense can look like. Last year it was a ball control offense. They ran it. They played defense. They tried to make Bahannon not make too many mistakes. This year I think they want a guy to elevate that position. And it's not just Chapin. It's not just Bohannon. Kyron Drones, too. A lot of people are talking about him uh, right now also. So I think that's, that's the one huge battle I'm watching right now because OU and Texas are kind of reloading on talent. But can Baylor and Oklahoma State – those two teams build off what they've done. We've had different teams in the Big 12 championship game the last few years, guys. Baylor's, Oklahoma State's, Oklahoma's, Iowa State's. Uh, you think about all these separate teams that have gone. Can somebody repeat and build kind of the way that Oklahoma has in the past and make it, you know, repeat performances, repeat trips back to back to back to back years and try to, you know, elevate their program? And I think this Baylor quarterback battle is one to watch that could help them kind of get back in that spot once again. Hey Josh, what do you uh, what do you got on the uh, on the podcast episode coming out? Literally as we speak, it's, it's hitting the airwaves uh, and your podcast feeds now about Bob Bowlesby and the transition and and what could be next and the timing of all of it. So check that out. Make sure you find us on Twitter at lo big twelve, and you can find Locked On Big Twelve every year podcast and on YouTube as well. Great stuff as always, Josh. Thanks. Appreciate your time. Yeah, talk to you guys soon. Yeah, that is uh, Josh Neighbors from the uh, podcast Locked On Big Twelve.